week and pause from our current series. We've been going through the book of Philippians, and uh, that series is called True Freedom, and we'll return to it next week. But today I want to concentrate on something that you read this week if you are following along on our journey Bible reading. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I don't want to put anybody on the spot. But I hope the majority of you are following us this year through the Bible, reading through the Bible. And uh, last Thursday we were in Luke chapter 14 And there's a portion of scripture there that I really want us to concentrate on because it actually emphasizes something out of Philippians where Paul says, don't be so concerned about yourself. Be concerned about the things of the Lord. Be concerned about other people. He's talking about humility. And in Luke 14, we read this wonderful parable And basically, the bottom line is, you and I need to work at getting ourselves out of the way. (laughs) We need to get out of the way. This is a story where Jesus warns us about being presumptuous, about having all the answers. Aaron reminded us earlier today, there are no simple solutions to complex problems. We just need to trust the Lord. I had a friend one time who was a worship leader, and uh, he got a call from another friend who said, hey, can you bring your guitar to our home Bible study tonight? And Steve said, yeah, I'll I'll do that. I'd be happy to do that, because Steve loved to lead worship. So he prayed, he had a set of songs, and he was ready to go, and he thought, man, I'm going to lead these people into worship. And he got to the Bible study, and his friend said, hey, did you bring your guitar? He goes, yeah, and he says, well, good, he says, because Martin doesn't have one, and I've asked Martin to lead worship tonight. (laughs) Devastated him. And he thought, you know, he never asked me to lead worship. He just asked me to bring my guitar. I just presumed I was going to have the seat of honor. And that's what Jesus was teaching us out of Luke chapter 14. And it's difficult in our society because, man, we're so focused on ourselves, on our rights. And it's so contrary to the teachings of Jesus. I think it was Ravenhill that said, the only right that you have as a Christ follower is to give all your rights to Jesus. We need to prefer one another. We need to go the second mile. We need to bless and pray for our enemies. We need to take a back seat. But staying humble is not all that easy, which we'll see. But let's read the text first, okay? Luke chapter 14, and I want to read the first 14 verses. Again, if you follow our journey Bible reading plan, you would have read this earlier uh, this week. Luke chapter 14, one Sabbath when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. And there in front of him was a man suffering abnormally swelling of his body. And Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? And they remained silent. They knew it was a trick question. (laughs) So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him on his way. And then he asked them, 
If any of you has a child or an ox that falls into the well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? And they had nothing to say. And then he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, so he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat. And then, humiliated, you'll have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brother, your sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you'll be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you'll be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in the next half hour, I pray that you will use this servant and that you will open all of our spiritual ears and then give us the boldness and the help and the power to execute today's lesson in the world in which we live in the days ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse number 11, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. We're talking about humility today. Humility. Not a popular topic. Like a lot of Jesus' teachings, it's not popular. Last summer when I talked about how we need to deal with all of our enemies, we're to bless them, pray for them, that wasn't really a very popular message. Jesus' teaching is really quite hard. It's hard to be a fully committed follower of Jesus Christ. And humility is not a topic that you hear preached very often. We want to hear about our rights. We want to hear about standing up. We want to... But humility is a topic we need to talk about today because it's so close to the heart of Jesus. I think part of the problem is we think humility is low self-esteem. You see, we define humility wrong. We think it's maybe a lack of confidence, like you're a wimp, you're a marshmallow, you're a doormat. That is not biblical humility. That's not what it means. Sometimes we think that a humble person is a weaker person, the one who is very strong and vocal, and that's not true either. That could be the farthest thing from the truth. In fact, there's a, a great power that's found only in humility. And I want to propose to you today that humble people are the real movers and shakers. Humble people are the ones that are making a difference in our life and the life of our community and the life of our nation today. You know why? 
Because humble people don't feel the need to make every situation first and foremost about themselves. Everyone else, <laughs> me, me, me. But humble people don't do that because they realize it's not about them. Humble people aren't always thinking about themselves over everyone else, over everything else. And you'll discover that when you get yourself out of the way, and it's difficult for us, but when you do that, there's virtually no limit of what you can do for the kingdom of God. Man, Pastor Allen and I were having this discussion earlier this week about pastoring. So many young people are so excited to be the lead pastor because the church is there to serve them. That's wrong thinking. That is not biblical thinking. A pastor is given to a church to serve them. It's not about the congregation doing what the pastor thinks needs to be done. It's about collectively hearing from the Holy Spirit and moving forward. I pray today we can get a, a working grasp on humility. Whether you're picking, you know, in the orchard or whether you're getting ready to go back and teach in a classroom or whether you work retail or maybe you're in a lawyer's office or maybe you're just at home but your neighbors are engaged in your life. I pray that we can get a working grasp on humility today so we can go beyond this tendency of always exalting ourselves. Three ideas I want to present to you and the first one is this. There's nothing unique about looking out after yourself. That's not new to America. It's not new to 2021. I was having a conversation with one of our older members recently who's been through a lot. And so this COVID thing, he has a whole different perspective because he remembered smallpox and he remembered FDR and he remembered mandatory vaccines for smallpox and for many other diseases. So to him, he has a broader perspective. See, there's nothing unique about people wanting just to look out after themselves. Nothing special about that. Nothing new about it. It's been going on forever. In fact, look at our, our text. Verse number 7. We're talking about 2,000 years ago here. Jesus when he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table. That's not just Americans in the 21st century. That was happening here. So he told him this parable. Now, when you read the Bible, it's easy to see how different their culture was from our culture. That's why the, the contextual understanding of a scripture is so important. They had different customs. But you can't help but also notice, in spite of all those differences, they're still much like we are. Because humans are humans. We have a lot of Adam and Eve in us, even though our world is a lot of different than Adam and Eve. We have a lot of the people who are sitting at the places of honor in us, even though the culture and the traditions are so much different. People have always had a tendency to look out for themselves. That's our selfish nature. People are people. 
If you think you're going to move to a different church, a different community, a different state, and it's going to be utopia, no, because people are there, and you're there. And you're going to take your perspective and your difficulties with you. And that's why I've been focusing in Philippians about this idea of true freedom. That's what Paul was talking about. Philippians 2.21, we were in Philippians 2 a few weeks ago, says, For everyone looks out for their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. And that's why I've said all along, we need to be advancing the kingdom of God. No matter if you live in the U.S. or Mexico or Canada or North Korea or Germany, our citizenship is in heaven. We're called to advance the kingdom of God. There's nothing unique, friends, about getting so absorbed in ourselves and our own culture and our own nationality that we forget about that. I think Jesus knew the best way to ensure that you never stand out is to make your life nothing more than a desperate attempt to stand out. Now think about that. So many evangelical Christians point their fingers and complain about those minorities or women or others who are demanding their rights. Yet that's exactly what many evangelical Christians are doing now, trying to stand out. I mean, there's a great story I, I read, and I have no idea whether this is true or not, uh, but it's really a great story. It's about a United Airlines flight uh, out of Denver that was canceled. And man, there are many, many travelers. And if you've ever been to an airport and people get a little testy, you know, because of connecting flights and they get tired and they're inconvenienced and everybody is a little irritable when a flight is canceled. But one traveler was just a little over the top than the others. And he actually pushed his way to the front of the line, pushing people who were in queue. And he slapped his ticket down on the counter and he said to the agent, I have got to be on the next flight. And it's got to be first class because I need leg room. And the agent looked at him, looked back on all the people who had been patiently waiting in line and said, man, I'll do that if I can, sir. But first, I need to take care of all these other people who are ahead of you. And the man's face just turned beet red and he pointed a finger and he says, do you have any idea who I am? And the agent, bless her heart, kept her composure paused for a moment, took a closer look at the man, reached for the public address microphone and said, may I have your attention, please? We have a passenger at gate 22 that does not know who he is. <laughs> if anyone can help him find his identity, please come to the front counter. And then she sent him back to the back of the line. <laughs> Isn't that a great story? Again, I don't know if it really happened, but there's multiple examples of pastors, televangelists, politicians, movie stars, famous musicians who have that attitude. So the first step on getting a handle on humility is to pull back a little bit. Demand less for yourself and never get into the temptation to say, do you know who I am? Second key 
Let others give you recognition. When it comes to getting recognition you deserve, let others do the heavy lifting. Don't be tooting your own horn or collectively our own horn as a church. Let's not make demands for ourselves. I think I told you of the wonderful compliment we got during COVID from the city of Wenatchee for the way that we handled ourselves with our outdoor service in our field. Not using amplification because at that time it was against city code. We respected it and it was noticed. We did demand our rights. We were assembling together, which is our right. And we were noticed and we were complimented. You see, let other people take the lead in that area. Man, if you've earned some kind of level of recognition, I commend you. But let others see it. You don't have to tell everybody about it. Probably the best example of this is Albert Schweitzer. Man, what a great theologian. What a great humanitarian. He did so much for people. A medical missionary, if you know anything about Albert uh, Schweitzer, I'd uh, encourage you to read a biography uh, about him. For many years, he was the target, however, of a lot of criticism. You know, we look back and we almost put him on a pedestal and say, man, this guy was great. We love him. Look at all these great things he did. But at the time... <laughs> Man, people criticize that guy. A lot of people didn't like his theology. Some people didn't like the way that he was ministering to the poor and he was caring for the sick. And they talked really bad about him. But you know, Albert Schweitzer never complained. He never campaigned for himself. He never debated what he did saying this is the right thing to do. This is what Albert Schweitzer said. And I'll quote I decided that I would make my life my argument. End of quote. Think about that. I decided I'd just make my life my argument. And guess what? Over the long haul, he won the argument. Over the long haul, he got the recognition he deserved. Nobel Peace Prize. Now, he wasn't perfect. I don't know that his theology was perfect. I'm not sure any of our theology is perfect. His methodology was not perfect. But he decided that instead of wasting a lot of energy in promoting himself or defending himself, he would just leave all that talk to others. He would get to work. His life, his actions spoke for themselves. That's humility. Jesus says in verse 10, don't take that place of honor. See, it's not our job to lift ourselves up. The book of Proverbs has a really good piece of advice. 27.2, Proverbs 27.2. Here's what it says. Let someone else praise you and not your own mouth. Let somebody else praise you. Not your own mouth. You don't have to tell people how good you are, how great you're doing. Just show them. Let your life be your argument. And if there is ever any honor to be bestowed, others will see it and do it. Which brings me to the third key of humility. 
First of all, it's nothing new. We're dealing with it in our own lives. We're dealing with it as evangelicals. We're dealing with it in a society. It's not new. <laughs> Secondly, we need to make sure that we don't put ourselves in the spotlight and try to recognize or try to get other people to recognize how great we are, but let other people give you the recognition. And thirdly, instead of expecting to receive preferential treatment, like the guy at the airline or the people here in the story that took the good seats, look for ways to give preferential treatment to others. This week, God will give every one of us opportunities to let maybe that person that only has five or six items to go in front of us in the check line. Maybe at the intersection, not be quite so quick to gun it when the light turns green. Maybe an opportunity that you can bestow the honor to somebody else instead of you. Jesus closed this parable in an interesting way. He was speaking to the host, and he talks about, you know, when you give this luncheon or dinner, don't invite all the people who are going to, you know, pay you back. Now, we tend to kind of get in that mindset, well, man, that person did something for me, so I'm going to do something for them or I'll do something for him because then he will do something for me, said quid pro quo that we hear about sometimes. That's the term. What that means is it's a favor or advantage granted, but only with expectation of something in return. In Latin, that word or that phrase quid pro quo means what for what. So there's an, you know, something for something. It's an idea of mutual consideration. You're not giving because you really want to bless that guy. You're giving to put yourself in better position so you'll get something back. And that's what Jesus is challenging here. Go beyond the mentality of saying, I'll do this for you in equal value of what you can do for me later. Instead, we need to look for opportunities where we can just be generous over the top in our acts of kindness. We need to be outrageously gracious and kind in the day we live in. Christ followers should really be the ones that bring peace and hope and grace and calmness into situations. Your presence should have a calming effect. Not stirring up more anger. Not stirring up more division. We need to be outrageously generous because that's what humble people do. Now, I'm not saying that you can't swap Christmas gifts this year. That's not what I'm saying. And my point is this. A sign of humility is the desire to lift up other people to a new level even if you don't get anything from it. I love this quote. Listen closely. 
give without expecting anything in return, not even a thank you. For this is unconditional kindness. Everything else is ego. If I do something and I think, well, that person's going to thank me because I've blessed their life. And then if I don't get a thank you and I'm thinking, well, how come that person didn't thank me? And that's an ego thing. Luke 6, love your enemies, do good. Listen, it says, land expecting nothing in return. That doesn't sound like quid pro quo. No. And that's not even talking about our friends and our family and our fellow believers and our fellow Wenatchiites. It says, to your enemies. I know this is hard stuff and we need the help of the Holy Spirit to apply it to our workplace, to our neighborhood, to our family. But that's what the Bible says. Your reward will be great. Let me read it in its entirety. Love your enemies, do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be the sons of the Most High. For he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. Wow. It's easy to say, I want to be like Jesus. But then when you really examine the life of Jesus and find out that he was unkind or he was kind to unkind and ungrateful people, it's a little harder. But that's why one of our values here at First Assembly is spirit empowerment. We know we can't do it on ourselves. I can't love like that. I don't have it in me. That's why I have to let Jesus love through me. That's why I need to lay myself down, just like the song that we started the service with today. Lay down my will, lay down my agenda, lay down my rights, and act in the humility and the kindness that Jesus is teaching here in Luke chapter 14. Man, a sign of humility is to be willing to go out of your way, out of your pocket if you need to, to be a blessing to others rather than waiting for the rest of the world to go out of their way to be a blessing to you. Friends, let's be the kind of people that do good for others, whether we get paid back or not, whether anyone notices, whether they say thank you or not. That's why I said earlier, humble people, I think, are the true movers and shakers. They're the ones making a difference in the lives of others. All the ego-driven people are too busy looking out for themselves, trying to knock everybody down a notch so that they can somehow artificially, at least in their mind, inflate their own importance. Ego-driven and selfish people really aren't making a difference for others. <laughs> They're too busy trying to make a difference for themselves. And in some ways, particularly in the context of the kingdom of God, and Christianity, I think sometimes they do more harm than good in actually doing what we should be doing, which is sharing the hope of Jesus to others. The humble people do it differently. They don't feel the need to build themselves up. They, they don't feel the demand that, you know, that we have to have our way. They're the ones like Albert Schweitzer that says, my life is my argument. I won't just sit here and tell you what my life's about. I'll just show you. 
as Jesus did when he took the basin and washed the feet of the disciples. He didn't even tell them he was going to do that. He didn't even explain why he did it till after he did it. And instead of living and dying with a desperate need for outside approval, which so many of us do, humble, Jesus-focused people can focus their attention on what I guess the Bible would call the least of these. And they do it not for the recognition they receive or even an emotional thrill. They do it because even the least among us matter to God. Pride says, I need, I want, I deserve, I demand. (laughs) Humility looks into the eyes of the lost and the lonely and the confused. And those are so fearful because of the times that we live in. And they say, I want you to know that I care about you. And God cares about you. How can I be a blessing to you right now? Now, we used to sing a song when I was a kid. Of course, most of the songs are out of the hymnals. You know, three hymns and two choruses. In my Assembly of God church, there's two hymns, a chorus, tongues and interpretation, and then another chorus. That was our liturgy growing up. Some of you remember those days. But we used to, man, some of those hymns really have powerful messages. And as I was kind of putting the fine touches on my sermon a couple days ago, a hymn came to my mind. It says, make me a blessing. Make me a blessing. Out of my life, may Jesus shine. Make me a blessing, O Savior, I pray. Make me a blessing to someone today. When's the last time that that was your prayer as you left your home, as you left your place of employment, as you entered into the church? Make me a blessing. Make me a blessing. Out of my life, may Jesus shine. Make me a blessing, O Savior, I pray. Make me a blessing to someone today. That is humility. The key to humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking more of others. Okay? I'm not telling you you have to, you know, badmouth yourself or tear yourself down. No, it's not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less and thinking more of others. It's not about demeaning or demeaning or degrading yourself. It's about seeing others through the eyes of God created in his image and doing the things that you can to lift them up. I don't think it really matters who we are, but it matters whom we represent. We represent Jesus. May people see Jesus in us through our humble actions. Lord, it's a tough lesson because we all have this inner need to defend ourselves. Self-preservation, the survival of the fittest. And our society and in some ways even the church of today has taught us to think more about ourselves than others. 
So today I humbly ask forgiveness in my life. And I pray that these friends that are here today and those that are watching online will take time to also ask your forgiveness for anything that you might show them in their life that is more me-centered than other-centered or Jesus-centered. Help us, Lord, to be humble as you were humble. Humble to the fact that you were obedient to go to the cross and give your life that we might have salvation to the full. Father, probably not many of us will ever be asked to be humble enough to become a martyr, but we might be asked to be humble enough this week to bite our tongue and keep our opinion to ourselves and actually listen to the hurts and the perspective of somebody else. Help us, Lord, not to expect to get preferential treatment because we are Christians or we're evangelicals or we're Pentecostals. Deliver us from that us versus them mentality because, God, you love the whole world pray, Lord, that we will represent you well this week. In Jesus' name, amen.